Good evening. I'm Kate France. And I'm Tabby Tyler. Tonight we talk about alternative origin stories for the winter holidays. So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. So, I need a holiday from my holidays. <laughs> I swear, I've had like a week of straight frivolity, and I, I don't know how much more joy, presence, and inebriation I can handle. That's in stark contrast to my very straight-laced English family Christmas. Yeah, well, I mean, I come from a melded family, and I'm married, so not only is my shopping list like 80 people long, but we have a new event every night of the Yuletide season to accommodate everyone's schedules and beliefs, and I and a portion of my family and friends are Norse pagans, others are Christian, and a few are Latin Catholic, so we celebrate Yule, Noche Buena, and Christmas. I hosted two of those events this year, Yule being the pagan holiday celebrating the solstice, and Christmas, the Christian holiday wherein we all pretend Jesus was a Capricorn. Do not take Jesus away from the Capricorns. They need him to get through the winter. Okay, okay, they can have him. I was happy to be a part of your Yule celebrations this year. It would not have been a proper Yule without you. Yule for us basically consists of me making an offering to Odin. And then afterwards, my family and friends feast and drink lots and lots and lots of mead, (laughs) create a fire and burn wishes for the new year in the hopes that the gods will help us attain them. Christmas, by contrast in my family, is generally everyone traveling hours to get to my house, which is inconveniently far from literally everyone. Uh, Everyone drinking and cooking a meal and copious amounts of gift giving. This year, it also included my sister dressing as Moana for my daughter, who eventually passed out like a frat boy on rush night mid-slice of chocolate cake. (laughs) Girl can hang. We also, of course, do Santa, which your family usually kicks off for us. Yeah, that is a family tradition uh, where our family friend Jim, a.k.a. the nicest and jolliest man alive, joins the ranks of freelance Santas and banks through the holiday season. (laughs) My parents have him over every year so that they can force grown adults to sit on Santa's lap. And we all do, because the spirit of Christmas literally radiates from every fabric of our friend's being. And my daughter absolutely loved it this year. The whole way home, she was clutching her toy and telling us how great Santa is. No, she said specifically, Kiki, that's <laughs> that's me, uh, Kiki's mom gave me two cookies and Santa said he loves me. <laughs> um <laughs> And then um, at my house, we do Christmas Eve dinner and Christmas brunch, and it's very traditional and very put together. These are our traditions, but we wanted to take some time to recognize how these traditions came about. So everybody has been dragged to a nativity play at some point in their lives, and we have constantly been told that Jesus is the reason for the season. But today we want to talk about other reasons for the season. Yeah, we want to talk about alternative origins for the holidays. So, I told you what my family does for Yule, but the truth is there are endless ways to celebrate the day. And the reasons why pagans may celebrate Yule varies as well. Some Wiccans celebrate it as a rebirth cycle for their sun god. Some other pagans celebrate it as a festival to honor Saturn. And every year on the solstice, thousands of pagans celebrate at Stonehenge where they dance and chant and sing, all for their own unique paths. 
As a Norse pagan, I'm specifically honoring Odin, the master of Yule and leader of the Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt is so cool, by the way, and I only just learned about it this year after I teased you for being so giddy about the wind and the rain. <laughs> I, I, You know, I hadn't realized how few people knew until then, honestly. Mm. So I'm going to share the story I was taught. But the issue with oral traditions going back thousands of years is that there are tons of versions of this story, and, and I urge you all to look into them. If nothing else, they make for some very spooky stories. I will give Christianity this. They've got this over us. Their winter story is constant and concise. We don't have that going for us. Uh, I'm inclined to disagree, but I'll get into that when you're done with your story. Every year, Odin Allfather, the Jonir, or Master of Yule, travels the realms during the Yuletide season, leading something called the Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt is made of ghosts, spirits, elves, and magical beings. You can feel the cold winds and gray skies before it comes. It's immensely powerful, and the braying of the spectral dogs that lead the way through the long nights was said to be deafening, and the ghostly power of the hunters could freeze whole families in their beds just by passing too closely. The purpose of the hunt is to gather all the wayward dead who haven't passed into the afterlife and take them from this realm, while Odin hunts the forests of the world for game he cannot get in Asgard. So on the longest night, the solstice, we feast the longest and party the loudest. We leave offerings of food and drink for Odin and his spectral companions so we aren't swept away, mistaken for the dead. The longest night of the year, so closely associated with death, death of flora and fauna alike, is when we celebrate our lives the loudest. It's a holiday that celebrates, most of all, the concept of there being a light at the end of the tunnel. The wheel of the year turns, and even though the darkness gets longer and longer, the solstice, and eventually spring, must come. It's the last night of the hunt, when the spirits will retire from the land, and life can begin to grow afresh as the days get longer. It's so fun, honestly, because even though I do not practice paganism, the chill of the air the feeling of mutual camaraderie, the mead, the food, the celebration of being alive. It's just so exciting. That's why it's my favorite of our holidays. Now, spotting or hearing the hunt was considered to be an ill omen or a precursor to war or famine, but this only happened after the rise of Christianity. And the stories of the wild hunt became even more morose over time. Sometimes, the leader of the hunt is described as other gods from other pantheons, dead noblemen who met bad ends, or demons and monsters. There's even a version where the leader of the hunt is a nobleman who hunted on a Sunday, and as such was cursed to hunt supernatural creatures for all eternity, and I want to know why that isn't a Netflix series already. Yes, how very Christian to try and make death more scary. Right? But... Besides the period of time in which we celebrate these holidays, Yule has something very much in common with Christmas. A man, wearing fur robes, with a beard, traveling the lands on an eight-legged <laughs> horse, 
deciding the merit of those he encountered on this winter's holiday. Just saying, Odin got nerfed a little as the story evolved, but the idea is still there, <coughs> Santa. <coughs> well, the story I'm going to tell is about why we celebrate the birth of Jesus on the 25th of December. And all of this segment has been inspired by a podcast I listened to many years ago called The History of Rome by Mike Duncan. So I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it and also plug a podcast I really enjoyed. <laughs> History of Rome, Mike Duncan. <laughs> Listen to it. So he starts by addressing the fact that all civilizations have celebrated some sort of winter festival, and this is in recognition of many pagan celebrations. A lot of these celebrations were influenced by the stars. A fascination with the sky is a staple of all recorded and pre-recorded civilizations. Astronomers recognize that the days were getting shorter and shorter until after the winter solstice, at which point the days began getting longer and longer again. Astronomy and belief were strongly tied, and celebrations were born to honor the gods who overcame the darkness and brought light back to the land. The Romans practiced pagan religions that they usually appropriated from the cultures they conquered. The Roman calendar, which transitioned through time into the Gregorian calendar we use today, carried the dates of the celebrations of pagan holidays into the modern era. A beloved pagan holiday practiced by the Romans of the Republic was Saturnalia. This was celebrated well into the empire and was a feast to honor the founding of the Temple of Saturn. The feast was celebrated for days and included gift-giving, decorating, and caroling. Huh, that sounds familiar. Mind you, the caroling, uh, they were naked and drunk. Uh, oh? <laughs> this holiday was literally proto-Christmas, though. So, where does Christ come in? Well, you have to start with another Roman tradition. The pagan celebration of Sol Invictus. The celebration of the sun god. The unconquered sun. In the mid-late Imperium, it was very trendy to practice the religions of Eastern sun cults, and in 220 CE, the Romans picked up Sol Invictus from the Syrians. Now, something key to know here is that on the Roman calendar, the winter solstice fell on the 25th of December. Sol Invictus was on this day, and it celebrated the victory of the sun god Sol over his forever enemy night, thus marking the day that light would continually conquer the darkness. For every day after the solstice, the days grew longer. The Romans loved this holiday, and the Roman Emperor Aurelian made it an official cult in 274 CE. This was all fun and dandy, until the Roman Emperor Constantine came along and changed everything. My vote for Time Magazine's most influential person of the ancient world. Honestly, he changed the course of history by making one extremely significant decision for the empire. He converted the Romans to Christianity. The weight of that decision is just unfathomable. One man's decision has influenced almost 2,000 years of history. <sighs> you know the saying, history is written by the victorious? The victory of a social idea is not excluded from this concept, and Christian historians wrote favorably of Constantine. They also wrote really nice propaganda, too. Have you heard how Constantine came to accept Christ into his life? How? Well, according to BBC History, quote, The moment of Constantine's conversion was tied by two Christian narrators to a military campaign against a political rival, Maxentius, the conversion was the result of either a vision or a dream in which Christ 
directed him to fight under Christian standards, and his victory, apparently, assured Constantine in his faith of a new god. End quote. In truth, Constantine most likely understood that Christian bureaucrats could be trusted with the imperial treasury. And so, with the slow conversion of religion came the slow transformation of the previous pagan rituals to symbols of Christian faith, and Sol, the sun god with his halo of light, became Jesus Christ with his crown of thorns. Thus, with the combination of Saturnalia and Sol Invictus, we have the Christmas traditions of caroling, gifting, and baby Jesusing we all know and love. The reason for the season. So, when does Baby Yoda become our new messiah? As soon as Disney buys the Vatican. Hmm. Happy holidays, Tabby. Happy holidays, Kate. We know this was a short episode, but nothing matters anyway between December 25th and January 1st, so you won't even notice that we won't be here next week. Yep. Kate's going on vacation. So don't overdo it with your resolutions, and don't worry, no one actually knows the words to Odd Lang Syne. I, I do. I know every word. Of course you do. Good night. See you in the new year. Night. Good evening. I'm Kate France. And I'm Tabby Tyler. It took me like three seconds to remember my name. Hang on. <laughs> so don't overdo it with your resolutions, and don't worry. No one actually knows the words to... Uh, old Lang Syne. <laughs> uh, one more time. Odd Odd Lang Syne. Odd Lang Syne. Mm-hmm. Okay. See you, See you in the, the new year. year. <laughs> <laughs>